Hi, this is Tamika Kasten-Miller, and you are listening to Think, Flow, Grow. This episode contains sensitive materials and material that may not be appropriate for the workplace. Hello, this is Tamika Kasten-Miller with Ashe Yoga here in Houston, Texas. And I'm here with two friends who are amazing um, and awesome. And we are going to talk about intersectionality. Intersectionality. Um, we have <laughs> Davina Davidson on Instagram at I am Davina Davidson. <laughs> Why do you have to say it like that? Because that's what it looks like to me. Every time I see it, I'm like, I am Davina <laughs> Davidson. <laughs> Everywhere else, she's yoga with Davina, but on Instagram, she's like, I am. <laughs> and then we have Sharzad Kakishani, um, who is Shars on Instagram. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. No, what is it? Uh, Sharzad K underscore. Oh, oh, I thought that was on uh, Facebook. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't try to find her on Facebook because she ain't going to accept your Facebook request. Nope. <laughs> she didn't know you like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, of course, at Diva Transcending. Give us all a follow because um, actually Shars and Davina have this amazing uh, challenge going on. Y'all want to talk about it? Yeah. Yay! The yoga love dare. <laughs> Shars uh, hit me up and said that she wanted to bring it back. She did you participate in the whole thing or just part of it? I did part of it, and that was two years ago. Yeah. I didn't even mm-hmm. know about this. Mm-hmm. What oh. made you? I think you've told me this before, but mm-hmm. let the people know what made you want to do it again. Ah, so <clears throat> two years ago. Well, no, I'll leave two years ago aside. I had been thinking about it in all of December, just kind of this return to self. This theme has kind of come up for me the last several months and the last six months, especially 2019 with everything that happened was a return to the truth within the self. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once you start um, healing that, it spreads out, you know, floods out to everybody else. And so I was thinking about it in December for whatever reason, that challenge had really resonated with me because it's um, this reminder that it's not, you're not just one and done, right? We mm. have the, we have seven themes, one for each day, and then every week you come right back to it. It's not like <laughs> um, Layla said in a in a talk the other night. Um, I'll probably reference her again in this talk, but she said um, there is no measurement to whatever you're working on. It's you um, wake up every day and you hit the reset button and start all over again. Yeah. Her context was in um, your relationship to white supremacy. And, you know, mm. it was, you know, we can come back to that if we want to, but it's also, um, but white supremacy doesn't exist anymore. We're in a post-racial society. <laughs> that's like, why we're going need, there. That, that's exactly why you need patience, <laughs> mm-hmm. kindness to practice service, mm-hmm. gratitude, yeah. um, humility, yeah. um, mm-hmm. nourishment, mm-hmm. honesty. All that good stuff. Yeah, and you keep coming back. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things. And when I, I went and did um, a Vipassana 10-day course meditation, and every day in that meditation, I kept coming back to me. So that was when mm-hmm. I was in the car driving back, I think, or maybe the next morning was when I texted you. 
And I said, let's do it again. And I was, you know, surprised that you wanted to, you know, lead it as well. I was like, I don't know what she wants to do, but I'll take it on if I need to. It just seems important. Isn't it amazing how we have our great ideas whenever we're actually alone with ourselves? <laughs> in silence. Like, literally. I mean, yeah. yes, you were in silence for 10 days. For me, it's even if I'm just away from my own life. Mm-hmm. I have this joke that I say all the time, but as we know, jokes are based in reality. And that is... If I'm in the city of Houston, I would be working. Mm. You know, I actually have to leave to not work. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know what that's about. Maybe I feel like I have to be on my hustle so that I can, mm-hmm. um, you know, be a part of the the provider, the provisions of the family. You know what I mean? But like, if I'm in the city, I'm working, and I don't get my best ideas when I'm like that. What's funny is after teacher trainings back in the day when we would lead them pretty regularly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, the day, the next day I would go check in at a hotel, like Hotel Zaza or whatever, mm-hmm. and stay for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And that was my time to like decompress and be with myself. Uh, and when I got away from that practice is actually when shit started to fall. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome that you did that. Mm-hmm. I did not do Well, I will say that after after or before my retreats, I always have a few days in in another city that um, that is going to be just for me or for me and Lenny. Mm-hmm. And um, and they're fantastic. I mean, it really is like and and the, and I will spend the money for whatever that looks like. Cause mm-hmm. I think that holding space for people is a lot of work. It's, it's hard. <laughs> like, it's hard. And even if you don't know that you're holding space for people, because that's like very much a practice. We were just talking about that the mm-hmm. other day in the sense of like, how do you actually do it? But also when you're not like intentionally doing it, you're still doing, you're holding the space for people to learn for whatever mm-hmm. is happening. Those trainings were really intense, you know, back then. Um, and I remember that I like, I learned from just watching you and my first uh, teacher training that I assisted that night that night after day 10 I was like I went home and I was a vegetable I remember I had a date that night and I texted him and I was like he's like what do you want to do I was like I want to do like I want to make zero decisions I've been a decision maker for 10 mm-hmm. days on the operational side I want to make zero. he didn't get it that was the funny part I know I remember I was like, this story. <laughs> he's like, like asking you all these questions and you're like, like Red or white? I was like just wine wine in a movie pick both <laughs> and he was like and wine in a movie I don't have to think through yes it was so funny when Whatever I came back from um, from training this past weekend, and Lenny's like, "What do you want to watch?" And I'm like, "Something that requires zero mm-hmm. brain cells." And yeah. she's like, "Fast and the Furious." I'm like, "Except that, <laughs> anything but that." Why? Because I hate those movies. Oh no! I hate those movies. <laughs> They're the worst movies ever. No. Oh my gosh, I can't. I've studied film. I can't watch those, seriously. I love them. That one, Fast and the Furious, when the dude, when they were on the plane and they were on the runway <laughs> and all that crap was happening, I'm like, bruh. <laughs> I should not have I to suspend my either. reality that hard for this. <laughs> I already have to just watch romantic films. Oh, you gotta yeah. act like somebody who's gonna stand out there in the cold with a radio and you're gonna hear it. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna be playing music that like is meaningful for you outside of the outside of your house. First of all, you're not gonna hear it. Secondly, in my home, in my world, if I would have lived with my parents and someone would have been playing that, my mom would have been like, "Who is that? Who is that? Get my lawn!" And probably in rollers. There's a new. It's maybe like in the last couple of years. There's a movie. It's a it's a black film where she's like standing outside of this cabin and she's singing like 
to the end, or like the end of the row by Boys to Men or something like that. Oh. It's the same exact thing that you just I thought, said. Wasn't it the one where it was like Shania Latham and the and the Listen, white there's probably a lot of them, but the one that I'm talking about <laughs> is with uh, Tiffany Haddish and oh, the other girl. I can't think of her name. Oh. But yeah. You know what? This is a perfect place to start. <laughs> Because Tiffany Haddish, as much as I like her, I see her tap dancing a lot mm. just to be, like, accepted into the world. Mm. Like, I don't, I mean, I like her so much. I love her. Oh, my God. And Girls Trip. But I love Girls Trip. Yeah. But I feel like ever since she came on the scene, like, she is, is it's hard to take her seriously in any other way because she's so constantly the the jester Mm -hmm. and i just feel like like that's the place where black folks have been since the um since the uh vaudeville days like let me be the jester for you let me entertain you and um and she's very much that person and i think she has a lot more to say than that but i think she's kind of gotten trapped in that but ma'am how many times have you been put in a box a lot. Okay. And I think that that's, that's the point is like, how, you know, how do we, how do we crawl out, out of that box? You know, how do we crawl out of, uh, out of that? Like for me, I know um, it's shown up for like the whole black love thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, my, my spouse isn't black. Like I, I want to be in this black love thing. <laughs> I want to be in the black love club. I like the black love playlist. So does she. <laughs> like, I like black love too. <laughs> Just like I'm in. I feel like you know, like what happens with the? I don't. I don't feel like being in the interracial love box. I don't want to be in any box. I just want to be in the love box. But it's just an example, of like how you know you you have a reality. So like with Tiffany Haddish, she's funny, mm-hmm. and so now her box is the jester. But can't she can't she crawl out of that and do something else? I, I mean, that's you know? a part of her her branding and what you know. Maybe and this is pretty early on in her career, so true, maybe true. this is just where she starts, and and once she has her foot really in in the industry, that she might shift and show us another side of her because we all know that specifically on social media, we do put people we put yeah, people we in boxes and we put ourselves in boxes. Put ourselves in boxes. Um, and people then assume that this is who we are because mm-hmm. this is what we've shown them, mm-hmm. um, which is the lamest. And then when you show another side of yourself, it's like, ew, you're so different. It's mm-hmm. like, let people evolve. This Damn. is exactly why my page is yeah. called I Am Davina Davidson because I am not only a yoga instructor. You have your mm-hmm. whole life messed up if you think that that's the only thing that I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that is the new shift for me that came out of you know doing some personal growth work in December and just... Like getting back to who I am as a person mm-hmm. um, and spending time with myself in solitude. Mm. So I didn't do the mm-hmm. 10 the day salad, you know. <laughs> Did you do it? I would not do that personally. Um, but I do have other practices <laughs> that I use to help get back to myself. I don't know that I could do that. I mean, maybe. I've done three day silent retreat, but I think that's my, my limit. I think days. once we got to by day 10, we could start talking again because they ease you back in. And we're all like, we need another three days. It was, it goes deep. And mm. I think that y'all, I think I thought of both of you um, frequently. I thought mm. of a lot of people frequently because you have not. 
You have I got nothing. I got nothing. And it's special because I, I, mean, I thought of y'all frequently mm-hmm. as well. Um, and a lot of actually what you teach is, um, and what you talk about is talked about in that as well. Same thing with you. I mean, it was in a different, um, so we, we speak, you know, with Sanskrit primarily, but they use the, um, the language of the days, which was Pali. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same. So instead of like samskara, it's sankara. So mm-hmm. it's similar. And I remember listening, I was like, I know all these words, but they talk a lot about healing the samskaras mm-hmm. and the clay, like through all the work and everything. They talked about the kleshas. They talked mm-hmm. about all that stuff there. So I thought that was really fascinating. Cool. And it's purely about your own self. That's the thing that I loved is it's like not religious. It's none of that. Um, but it's, it's purely about finding stillness and finding the truth and listening to the truth within so that you can heal yourself. Well, speaking of what, you know, Davina was saying, I mean, clearly that is a practice (coughs) that you practice. And, um, what about, did you have any kind of like shift in, um, any boxes that you've been put in and, and have any of those boxes shown up in, in your curated Instagram? Are you curating oh. an Instagram? <laughs> Not purposely. You know, my, I've never, I don't think I've been this active on Instagram ever mm-hmm. um, in, a, in an intentional way. And a lot of it is like this, y'all, both of y'all's challenges, you know, oh, our, I shouldn't say y'all, mm-hmm. um, but the challenges that are, that we're doing. Um, I know 2019, I posted like six times or something like that, but perhaps <laughs> I needed to like disappear for a little bit. But you're posting um, deep. Yeah, I don't, it's, that's the interesting thing is, and I, like that one post I had, and it was, um, it keeps, it's this message that keeps coming back is that through silence, like there's liberation through silence mm. and through stillness. And I think that's what I'm experiencing. And I'm, he- I'm hearing these words that mm-hmm. are coming out, um, which is really cool. I'm trying to think what, if I had a box, something that shifted for me, um, my, my big realizations and shifts were really subtle because I've been in the work for a long time. So I didn't have something drastic to go from one end to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I remember, um, feeling was I've always been vehemently against having children. Um, it's like a hard no. I don't even want to touch babies <laughs> whenever, um, whenever there's a baby shower, I don't, I forget that there is a baby involved and I get the mother uh, a massage as a gift. That's awesome. You know, and I, or like I have many friends and I'm a little bit ashamed of this, but I have many friends who I have relationships with the mother. And like when we get together, it's like time to get away. And I haven't actually met their children or I've had like minimal amounts of time. So I'm realizing that now at at 35. Um, But anyways, through that process, I realized that there was just a fear of, um, a fear of not like giving enough, like I'm not going to be good enough for this child. Um, mm-hmm. It was more about my own shit. Am I allowed to curse? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I already said curse. I fully plan on It's funny. <laughs> so, but that's what I realized is there's a lot of fear around what I was going to bring to it, and me not being good enough and things like that. And whatever that fear was lifted during mm-hmm. that time. And one day I walked out of the meditation hall and I was like, I still don't necessarily want children actively. And if it happens, I'd be very at peace with it. Mm, And so that was it. That was, and it was like a subtle, it's almost like a fog over my body that was lifted. That's amazing. And that was only day three. For for what it's worth, like we're going to screw up our children regardless. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just wonder what like Joie says to her therapist, you know, I'm just like, just, you know, try to keep it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a Capricorn mom. I know that that was 
That had to have been tough. Well, the beauty is, <laughs> um, I have a friend who, she's a four or five-year-old, and, you know, she's going through her own stuff, and the other night at dinner, one of the other girls said, she was like, oh, you know, it's such a shame, this is all the stuff that's going to ruin her when she's older. She said it's something like, some way like mm-hmm. that, and it was nicer, but that was my take <laughs> takeaway, and um, I was like, you know, but what's great is that here we are sitting and having this conversation, or the three of us mm-hmm. are very much involved in the, the deeper aspects of self growth and self-development and the Mm. yoga which you know we may even bring the sutras in at some point but there is so much like just in doing that work we're already an example for the children that are in our lives so that they know that we're going to mess up and there's ways to grow and so just that just by yogis having children Mm -hmm. we're already creating a better yeah um, but i wasn't a yogi when i had mine and you are (laughs) which i would have been (laughs) i think it's funny because i more recently in the last couple of months have been looking up more horoscope and astrology type <laughs> stuff just because I had this interaction with um I don't know what to call her but we'll just say I had an interaction with a woman and um <laughs> it's like you could plan out when you're gonna have your kids you know look mm-hmm. at all of that data around you know when the moon is in Capricorn and blah, blah, blah. I'm like what <laughs> yes. it's a whole other world <laughs> but when I read so I read mine um, my sun moon and ascendant and then I did it for Tino and I, we read it together and it was like oh my god everything makes sense now it makes sense wow. he's such a lover mm-hmm. yeah it's so funny yeah and it's it's like me and my daughter I mean it makes sense I mean we are so similar in so many ways she has so much Capricorn in her chart. But at the same time, she herself is very kind of non-confrontational. She doesn't really want to. And I'm just like, we're going to confront this situation until (laughs) it's dead. Like, we (laughs) are going to have resolution on everything. We have to bring it to, you know, to uh, maturity. But, you know... Which, FYI, doesn't work for anyone in my life, my family members. (laughs) I mean, and that's... you know, so one of the ways that, you know, this, this episode speaks to us as intersectional people, and one of those ways is by having a, a biracial daughter who's Cuban and black, and being a mom of a biracial daughter, which is really interesting. Of course, you've had that experience because you, I'm talking to Davina, are um, biracial as well. Mm-hmm. And then, but my biracial situation is of the, so her father is an immigrant mm-hmm. and a non-English speaker. I'm a Spanish speaker. And then I am a black woman within uh, in a, a queer relationship. So with a white woman. So there's a lot of diversity mm-hmm. just in three people mm-hmm. and a lot of experiences coming to that. And then Shars is uh, is an Iranian American woman. It's a Persian woman, Persian like the cat. You know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> remember that comedian I used do. to always say I that. Do. No, we're not the we're not the <laughs> other ones. We're Persian. <laughs> but then even you know with your, within your friends, I remember your friend coming to your birthday party and he was saying, "No, I'm real Persian because I'm the I'm Zoroastrian and she's not. So oh I'm the God. real Persian and she's not." <laughs> It was your friend, the guy. I can't remember. It's whoever is the real, the real Persian of your friends. I don't know, actually. <laughs> it came a little funny. later. I know you'd have wine that night. But I was, I was super curious. I was like, what is real Persian? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it's like before and after Islam. I guess is the marker. 
But, you know, so there's that. You're the daughter of an immigrant, but mm -hmm. not the typical immigrant story because your family is well off, you know. Y'all mm -hmm. didn't, like, walk across the border or fly in and overstay your visas mm -hmm. or anything like that. I think it's important right now to just say that um, so that we're clear There's and there's no misinformation. Um and uh, with respect to immigrants, you know, most immigrants legally immigrate to the U.S. It's a complete myth that um, most immigrants are are undocumented. So <laughs> I, feel, I feel it important to make this little PSA. Um, it's, it's Black History Month right now, but we're going to make this PSA since they're also Black Latinos. And um, most immigrants come in on a plane. Mm -hmm. So, and the most undocumented immigrants actually just overstay their visas. So we're clear that uh, when we're talking about uh, immigration, we are um, not making any assumptions. And this is not a conversation on immigration, but you are the daughter of an immigrant. My daughter's the daughter of an immigrant. And anyway, I'm just curious about how, like, your, how our... Um, multiple influences have informed how we move about the world. Like, I feel like we move about the world differently because we have to be, we have to be two different people often. Am I, am I, I, I feel that way. I, I do not. I'm doing it. I am doing it. But are you not That's different with like, the white side of your family? No, I'm not. I'm the same. Are they different with you? So I actually don't really speak to, or I'm not in relation with the white side of my family. My mom was adopted and most of her adopted family is, has passed away. Mm. They disowned her when she, um, you know, married or fell in love with a black person. Oh, wow. And so, uh, I actually never met my grandfather. I never met my mom's brother and people on that side of the family, well, forget them anyway. Yeah, so definitely not an issue there for me. Um, yeah, I think that, no, 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 I don't have, I think I'm the same. But come on, you don't code switch a little bit whenever you're dealing with, with, with folks. I mean, we have, so if you walk into the Houstonian and you're trying to, you know. No, I'm definitely not code switching for white people. At the Houstonian you to get, get a job? Get. No, I have totally interviewed there. <laughs> I know, well, you don't code switch it job. off. <laughs> They're like, she's too black somewhere here. Yeah, no, I don't. I do not do that. But you know what's crazy is when I went to the Houstonian with a gift certificate, FYI, because they expensive to go to the spa. The only black people I saw the entire time were in the basement. What? They were the towel ladies. Oh wow. Yes, literally on any floor mm. that was main or up, there were no mm. black people, even cleaning people. One of my oh. private clients um, has membership there, and we go there occasionally. Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen black people. I've also seen other races there. No, I mean working. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, no. That's interesting. Isn't that weird? That's, mm -hmm. that's a little weird. In Houston? Yeah. There's not yeah. a single well, first of all, when you step into the Houstonian, it's like you're in a whole nother world. Oh, like, exactly. you, you, you go in at 10 a.m. in the morning, you're like, Where? Why aren't you at work? Yeah, yeah no. Like, why are all work. these people here? We don't yes. work here. We do not. We we are of the people who don't work. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I find I find that to be a really interesting place because it's so different from the entire rest of the city of Houston. I agree. It's, it's like a little piece of Kingwood just placed itself down there. But that's how Memorial is, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Interestingly, as an aside, one of my friends said that she went to a grocery store in the Memorial area, and I know you grew up in the Memorial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm super curious about that, that experience. But um, And there was a person with her housekeeper there, and the reason why she knew it was her housekeeper is because she was in an actual maid's uniform. That's freaking Whoa, weird. Whoa, I've never seen that. <laughs> Get out. Anywhere. <laughs> I've never seen that. I've never seen that before either. Okay. It's 2020. I know. Can you imagine going somewhere and seeing that? It's like, I want to make sure everyone knows I'm not here with my friend. This person works with for me. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. I was like, whoa, that's just mind blowing. But I know, I mean, I know it happens. I know it happens. So I'll circle back and just say, I don't code switch. And this is also why people are often scared of me or intimidated (laughs) by me or think that I'm mean and blah, blah, blah. Um, I will say once you get to know me and you spend more time with me, then you may experience me in a different way. Mm. It's not that like I'm changing my personality yeah. or, you know, trying to fit in differently. It's more of like, oh, now you get me. Right. You've accepted. Okay. Yeah. This, is, this is who Davina is. And a lot of people do not accept me and I'm a hundred percent okay with that. Yeah. Can yeah. I ask, for sure. Have so. you, have you always been like that or was there a period where you came into that? So if you go and watch <laughs> any of the sister talks with my sister, <laughs> yes, I've always been this way. Um, and this is what actually prompted me to um, do the astrology work because most of my adult life people would be like, well, how did you get here? You know, how did you arrive at being this kind of way? How did you mm-hmm. get so strong or what happened mm-hmm. that you did da 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 And you know, one, I would say like, oh, after watching Michelle Obama, I'd be like, well, my dad loved me, which Mm. is true. And so, you know, I have this perspective because my father loved me and he didn't leave me and all that Mm. kind of stuff. Um, But the astrology and reading that stuff is like, oh, this is like deeper stuff that I think about who I think I am, whether people see me this way or not. I'm like, oh, that is me. And so it revealed, um, it gave me something to talk about in regards to like who I am. I've always been this way. Literally, I was born like this and I would say that. But now I'm like, and here's why. (laughs) Because I'm a Virgo. (laughs) My uh, moon sign is, you know, Pisces. And I can, you know, and say, now go read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to know more, just read my chart. (laughs) Google it. What about you? Have you found yourself code switching? Always. I think, I think, I think that today, like now, January, 2020, I'm the most even keeled I have been in all of my life. Um, and even like it's, it's gone through phases and iterations of it to fully accept where, like who I am and where I am. Um, that's been a huge thing. You know, it's being, um, being a twin to a brother growing up in an Iranian household, and it was all subtle, like no one straight like comes out to say, you know, one's better, one's worse. But these subtle little, um, um, I was just listening to a podcast of microaggressions is the word that's popping into mm-hmm. my head, but it's, that's not the right word here. But just these subtle ways of how he was treated or I was treated taught me that women and men were different. And then um, there was that, there was like the being Persian or being the only brown person or one of very few brown people in, all, in the schools that I went to. Um, that was one that it's like, 
the identity of you have to be successful. What does success mean? You know, quote unquote mm -hmm. success. And it was, is it financial? Is it um, being like the leader, the top of the food chain kind of thing? So it's going from being an accountant to being um, a yoga studio. Uh, I was part-time first and then manager and then mm -hmm. a yoga teacher. And I've gotten comments like, um, you mop floors. I'm like, yes, I mop floors. <laughs> you know it's like these things so so it's like do I shut that part of myself off or you know I, I would have to qualify well I had my CPA like I there was for a long time yeah. I would say well I used to be a CPA just to be like oh, I'm smart enough you yeah know? yeah and one of my therapists a while back I'd never heard this phrase before and he was like he called it intellectual abuse I was like, I didn't realize what? that was a thing. What is you, that? Intellectual abuse is, um, you know, similar to like verbal abuse, yeah. emotional abuse, whatever. But if you're constantly being um, uh, like from parents, from, from whatever figure above you, being hounded on like being intellectual. Like for us, it was mm. like you have to have these accolades. Mm -hmm. You have to have all this stuff. But just me having a CPA... And having that, those letters behind my name doesn't actually make me smarter than someone who doesn't no. have those letters. Right. But it know? does give you some letters. Yeah, it gives me letters. <laughs> I, I didn't openly say what my education background was. Mm -hmm. Like you'd like, but I still have my CPA. Mm -hmm. However, occasionally I will flex real hard. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I, think I flex all the time. I, I do, but because, it's also because people assume mm -hmm. they make assumptions. Yeah, what were you gonna say? Well, we, we were talking about this last night, actually, and it's about, and that was why I wrote about discernment, um, disc discriminatory discernment last night mm -hmm. in my post. And we were talking about that, and it's really discerning and knowing for yourself why and when you're saying those things. Mm, yeah, you know, like I would like if I'm honest with myself, I would say it because I truly there was a part of me that wasn't ready to fully step into the yoga and like mm -hmm. healing world, and I wanted to keep this tie, and I wanted to seem like I was smart enough, and that I was, you know, somehow in charge and in power or something. Yeah, and I'm still kind of uncovering that, but that's the truth behind it. Well, a lot of people, to... though, they just assume that if you're a yoga instructor, then, like, you, you know, you grab, like, I, I don't even understand what pe how, why people assume that you're so crunchy that you decided <laughs> to forego a formal education mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, your education is like a moon deck and oracle cards and, and, you know, and you don't know anything. And I, I'm just like, I mean, yeah, maybe that's some people, but... A lot of people who come to yoga and then mm -hmm. subsequently teach it are coming from crazy careers mm -hmm. from which we are making active choices to depart. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and we have to have something in there. But I also think that there's the the thing about being a woman in in yoga that has something that plays into that somehow. And I don't even know how it plays into it, but it does. But I know that, um, so for example, when people have come to my classes as a full-figured woman, um, I have had on more than one occasion, people say something like, you know, for some reason, I felt that your class was going to be a little, your flow class was going to be a little more restorative than what it was. I was wrong. And I was like, it's a, it's a vinyasa class. you you, what you what you expect like big girls flow hashtag big girls flow no i mean it was it was yeah. i don't know if it was that said I, it could just be me immediately going to that and it could be because people associate me with yen and restorative 
but I teach equal numbers. I teach equal yin and yang. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why that would be the immediate presumption. So anyway, I, Mm -hmm. but being a big girl in, Mm -hmm. in uh, yoga, I mean, I had to stop flex. I had to, I had to actively stop flexing in in Mm -hmm. yoga because I was getting hurt. I love it. I love it. Oh, I got to try to I mean, yeah, I can do it. It's like being able to make freaking, you know, roux from scratch for gumbo. Like, yeah, I can make it, but why would I? When I live in Houston, I can go buy roux. Well, it tastes the same. So silly. <laughs> I will say that when I definitely started practicing my inversions in public, because I practiced for a long time at home. Um, and I was a former gymnast, so get your whole life, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I'm like, and I've been an athlete my whole life. So what's interesting is when people in the yoga community, community caught me after having kids, um, where I was thicker, mm-hmm. but pre having children, I was never bigger. Mm-hmm. Right. So people would say things like, and my, my mama has said a few things <laughs> and whatever's um <laughs> around like how how are you able to do that like what the same way anyone else can <laughs> I like mm-hmm. i practice you know so, i don't see you and see was anything but strong though i mean i now i'm like just whatever just whatever it is yeah the <clears throat> it is the so the, i mean i had um some a family member when i first started when i first became a teacher and they're like um i think i was wearing a tank top and the person said something about you don't really have the body as a fit, like to represent a fitness thing. Something. It was something what? about that. And so I'm like, it has nothing. Like, <laughs> it's just this idea. Like, you have to look a certain way so people can think that they can do it too. Why are you supposed to look? I mean, dang. I know. I was like, and they're like, you know, it's more. Y'all, y'all need to go on Charles' Instagram to see how crazy that statement is. <laughs> that's what I was That's like, it has, and that's what I was saying. I was like, it's to, to, to them. And I don't know if they heard it in that moment. And I was like, but that's the point is like practice and movement is for every single person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what color you're, what size you're or whatever. Like there is like the human body needs to move. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the bottom line, period. I think it's interesting though that you mentioned um, about how you're flexing your CPA. <laughs> and and I think that for me, part of, of that, because I, I, I mean, like I said, I absolutely do. Um, flex my degrees but but the thing is is that I think it's it's because people make such assumptions Mm -hmm. over black women in general but it's the same like I remember even even when traveling and it's not only in this country it's like Mm -hmm. everywhere in the west when I would travel and um and I start speaking Spanish they're like well are you from are you well I, I was speaking Portuguese in Portugal and they were like are you from Angola and I'm like, nah, I'm from the U.S. <laughs> I'm like, I look Angolan? Like, thank you, you know, because Angolans be that cute, you know what I'm saying? And, and I was in um, Argentina, and they were like, are you Brazilian? And they would speak to me in Portuguese, and I'm like, you know, A, I speak much better Spanish than Portuguese. Like, can we stay in Spanish? And B, why would you assume I'm Brazilian? And thank you. Because <laughs> in a million years, I never thought I'd ever be confused with a Brazilian. <laughs> Hallelujah. But no, but I was, I mean, it was weird. And, and the thing was, is that like, no one assumed that a black woman would A, be traveling, 
and B, speaking another language. And I'm like, oh, okay, so this is a thing that is across the board. Then, you know, fast forward to like, I remember seeing you for the first time when Yoga One was Yoga One. And I was like, oh, there's a black woman in the room. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I I like this place. Like I felt, because the studio that I was with, the studios that I had been with before were either white or Asian and they were, and well, one was in Chinatown. So of course it was going to be Asian, but in, in in that studio, people were doing all sorts of things. And I was like, well, must be nice to have, you know, that flexibility and have had squatting be a part of my, of your culture, you know? And then what in Sugarland, you know, actually it was also white and Asian. Now I think about it, but anyway, but I never saw myself in those studios. And I'm so glad, um, that our, our friend uh, works over at actually this one of the studios where I used to be because there was never diversity. Mm-hmm. So for me, like walking in as a as a black woman into studio, it's to a yoga studio was already like it was already a thing. Mm-hmm. And then being full figured was another thing. And and that was before we even got to, you know, my family or the fact that you know, like all the other factors that I am. I think that one of the things that I probably didn't really, because I've never actually been like really open about race like that because Mm -hmm. I, I almost feel like I don't belong or I haven't belonged in black communities and I don't belong in white communities. And it's more of like, um, Brene Brown, I belong to myself looking mm-hmm. ass. <laughs> and so I hadn't been very outspoken about being a black woman or anything mm-hmm. like that um, until uh, Trayvon Martin and mm-hmm. having a black son and then realizing like, this is real. Like mm-hmm. you're a black woman. And I remember at the old yoga one um, when Tino would run through the parking lot, I would yell at him at the top of mm-hmm. my lungs because there would always be police officers at Cali's at the sub mm-hmm. sandwich place. And like just the the fear mm-hmm. of like my kid could get shot for running in a park. And we always mm-hmm. wear hoodies. We're a hoodie family. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, never wear your hoodie mm-hmm. in public like that, especially after dark. Like I used to get real, real crunkers, you know, mm-hmm. over stuff like that. And so I didn't really identify with race in that way until like my child you're forced Mm -hmm. to and then i'll say this like i also didn't pull the black card when hello i was the director of teachers a black woman Mm -hmm. of seven studios managing over 135 teachers Mm -hmm. where they do that Mm -hmm. where is the where does that happen and like i never looked at it that way i looked at it as like this is an opportunity um, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm with these people, I'm in the work with them. I never stepped back. But now, because where society is going in terms of the yoga community and entrepreneurship and all of that, oh, Lord. I mean, people yeah. are just throwing out, well, I'm doing this. And it's like a show. Look at me, it look is. at me, look at me. And I'm like, I actually have the credentials to be like, well, look at that. Mm-hmm. Right? You got the receipts. I got the receipts. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and this is where I flex. and at the same time i have to be like you know what that's not even you anyways you don't care about being in the limelight like that like chill i've had to also like have my moment where i'm like where i'm like well but and then i'm like i don't care i don't care enough that's not that's not anything i'm trying to do Mm -hmm. or be 
And so, I, but it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to see people doing shit when you know the truth. <laughs> when you know the truth. And also, so I had someone put on my page, I put some, I had some, I think it was that when I made that, um, that, uh, podcast episode where I was reading from women who run with wolves and I started with that and I was feeling empowered as fuck. Like I was like, I'm a fucking, I, I, I know why now I run a different way. I'm running with wolves. You know what I'm saying? Like not everybody can run with wolves. So anyway, and I'm like, and my crew does too. Like we are a, t- a type that does not exist in other lands. Mm-hmm. And so, and I put on my, my Insta was like, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that. And I put, I am a black LGBTQ woman. And the person put, why did you put all of that in one line? I'm like, first of all, who are you? But <laughs> I'm like, because that's how I see myself. I don't see myself as I am black. I am a woman. I am an LGBTQ person. I am all of that all at the same time. All of them inform my identity. You can't have one without the other with me. You know, like that is how I move about the world politically, socially, economically is all informed by all of that, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, what privilege it is for you to even be able to ask that question. (laughs) Because clearly you have not had enough life experience to know that moving about the world of black love where I can't fit into that hashtag is is an exclusive world. It does not include my love. Mm -hmm. And we're just talking about love. We're not even talking about all of the other things like listening to you know, black religious people and always using heteronormative terms and things like that. And I'm like, you know, that's my God too. That's my Jesus too. Or that's my Christian too. That's my, that's my Christ too. That's, you know, where do I fit into this, this dialogue about blackness in church when it doesn't ever look like or include me, Mm. you know? And so, but what's crazy is that this person is a yogi and a friend and or a friend in, in quotation marks and like I just uh I, I was I was hashtag shook. I was like, first of all, I couldn't believe she would ask that question publicly. Like for me, that's something you DM. Mm-hmm. But I I was just like, that's how I move about the world. Like that and, and, and it's a triple threat as well. Because when I come into a room, I'm coming in with all of that with me, mm-hmm. with the, you know, like, you know how Oprah yeah. said, or was it Oprah or Maya who said that we stand on the shoulders of our ancestors? I think it was, no, it was probably Oprah quoting Maya, not crediting no. <laughs> I just need Oprah to listen to me at some point and, and promote me. Anyway. Listen. Um, AKA Oprah, if you're listening. Right. AKA anybody who is connected to Oprah, can you please shove this in her? But like we stand on our ancestors. For me, my ancestors are beyond just like African and and other because you know we from like being from Louisiana, like we got a lot of ancestors that are from everything. But like they're beyond African. They're they're the my LGBTQ predecessors. Like they're the 
the drag queens that like that started Stonewall. They're also, you know, the women who went before and all those things. So like they're all those answers. Mm-hmm. Anywho, yeah. I'm ranting. But um <laughs> but anyway, I just I just found that to be interesting. But I wonder, you know, like how I, I so you mentioned one time, I'm talking to Shars. Shars mentioned one time something about like I don't remember if, and and if this is unacceptable, tell me, but (laughs) you mentioned one time about cutting your hair really short to like actually try to like be a boy boy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. to try to get some of that attention. Like, can I get some of that? Can you speak to that? Yeah, I was in kindergarten. I was in kindergarten. Um, I had, it took me a long time, like when I was older to realize what all was happening and um, and I mentioned earlier that I have a twin brother and I kept trying to buy for love from different people. Um, and I wasn't getting what I, what I was looking for when I was like, especially at what, what, how old are you in kindergarten? Like seven or six, five, five. Mm-hmm. And so I remember there's one particular story, um, that came to me during our teacher training actually. And it was this memory of how I always wanted my dad to teach me how to ride a bike. And I kept asking him and asking him. And he he just kind of brushed me aside and be like, okay, we'll do it next week. I'll do it next week. And um, my brother would never ask him for any of that stuff. And he, um, I woke up one morning and I look out the window and there's my dad and my brother. Like he's teaching me how to ride a bike. <gasps> and so that that was one of the like one of the first memories that I can think of. Of where I was like, oh, like I can do all these things. Like I have to be a boy, you know. I like I can mm-hmm. have the same interests as my father, which I tried to do for many years. I can, you know, do, get the degrees and like try to get his approval through all these things. But oh, I'm not a boy. So at five years old, I was like, that's the only thing missing. I have to stop wearing dresses. I have to stop playing with dolls. And I don't know if that's what I actively did. But I remember I went to my mom. I was like, I can't have long hair. I have to be a boy. I have to, because being a boy meant you get to move around differently in the world or you get acceptance from father figure or you get, you know, or I know my mom poured um, differently into me. I don't, I was about to say more, but she didn't pour more into me than my brother, but she poured differently into me because she has the experience of being an Iranian immigrant to this country and also being an Iranian growing up in Iran um, and knowing the difference of how men get treated and women get treated. So she poured into me differently than into my brother because as women, we need a little, like we need that extra support so that we know that we're just as good, mm. you know? And so I, I experienced that. Ooh, um, shout out to Perry. I know. I love her. Oh my gosh. gosh. I'm so, like, can I have her I'm like please? falling in love with my mother all over again. I love that. It's so oh. special. It needed to happen at some point in my life because mm-hmm. it took some time. Well, it always yeah. takes time, mm-hmm. I think, because at some point we realize that our parents are right. Well, the interesting, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know about that. We gotta be tripping. <laughs> I mean, so, so, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. She's got a lot of wisdom. Perry does. Well, one of um, their parents hopefully is right. Yeah, my dad was wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, the other thing that I'm thinking about with you know your previous question was how like how you move about the world, mm-hmm. and one of the things that that I haven't had that same secure footing as you, Davina, of like always knowing who you are. Part of it is that immigrant space Mm. you know we are we are really recent immigrants iranians are you know in the last um what was it in the 70s 80s was when most of us came over (laughs) and of course even more in the last 50 years um but you come over here and it's like you've already had 
um, this like Islamic regime that comes through and tries to, you know, that and takes over. So that starts to split, you know, what the religious to people were religious, but they weren't like hardcore the way that it is today. Mm -hmm. um, so you have that, there's someone trying to strip that identity away from you. And then you come here and um, the hostage situation had happened in 78, you know, 77, mm -hmm. 78. And so you come here and now you, you like Americans already view you as being a terrorist or being um, bad, quote unquote bad. And so I know a lot of Persians who, um, one, they wouldn't say that they're Iranian. They would say Persian or they would, mm -hmm. a lot of people, my cousin used to say she was Italian when we were growing up. Wow. And I'm like, how are you going to get away with that? Like, it's <laughs> not an Italian last name. Sicilian, yeah. of course. <laughs> and so, but people, we would like switch it. We would like, I know a lot of people who would do that could, could have been for safety. Like it could have mm -hmm. realistically been, been for safety. I know my, um, my, my parents went to England before they came to the U.S., and it was had nothing to do. It just happened to time with the revolution, but it wasn't because of it. Mm. And um, in England was where my dad experienced the most racism. And he yeah. was like, I was afraid to go to the pool because of like because I'm, he's a, like he's a hairy Iranian man. Mm. And over there, it's just like you know, pasty white man. Yeah. <laughs> so in England, of all places, and he would get comments or he would get um, looks or whatever, or people would leave the pool, things like that. And he would experience that there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, well, what's his name from queer? I would suggest that it's still that way. Mm -hmm. What's his name? I can't remember his name. Tan. Yes. Oh my <laughs> God. He's so my much. favorite. Oh, Tan France. So no, it's that. Oh, I don't watch mm -hmm. TV either. I just watch Netflix, but yeah. it's, um, Tan France, mm -hmm. uh, is amazing. He actually started, started another, uh, Instagram page called, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll find it because it's definitely worth mm -hmm. promoting, but, um, it's, and it talks about colorism. His whole page is about colorism and, um, so and very real. it mm -hmm. is so real. And he talks about how he's like, I'm sorry, but the reality is that, um, England is super racist Mm -hmm. And <laughs> wait, there's even colorism within you know the black community for sure. Oh, for sure. Because it's like, sure. oh, you think you're white, and I'm like, but mm -hmm. I am though. Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> or like plot twist. Or, yeah. <laughs> or I'm like when they're like, you sound white, and I'm like, ah, oh, one, how do you sound like a color? Yes, I can't with that. I cannot mm -hmm. with you, you idiot. I cannot. I it's can't with everywhere. the you sound white thing. Like yeah. that's the thing is that. Well, I want, and I want to go back to one thing that you said about Trayvon. I think Trayvon made everybody conscious blacker who was black. Mm -hmm. Like I distinctly remember thinking, "Oh, okay, this is this is what we're doing now." <laughs> like this is the this is the one drop rule may be over, but the you can be light skin all you want to. You're black. Yeah, ev everybody who is who is a little brown is black now. And everybody can be shot or have the cops called on them just for living their lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I'm not here for any of that, you know, and I'm, and I'm not going to, I'm not going. So the, with the code switching situation, I used to code switch a lot, a lot, a lot, but it was for so many reasons. Like, first of all, my family, it wasn't black enough for my family. Mm -hmm. You know, like I didn't, I didn't talk black, you know, I didn't talk a color. I didn't talk a cultural perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize until much later that what I, how I did speak was just an educated way. And a lot of folks in my family didn't have that education. <laughs> and I mean, no shade to them, but 
that was the situation. I mean, my mother, you know, definitely believed in, in being someone who could exist in any situation. And that meant so for her, she had to lose a lot of Louisianaisms, mm-hmm. like making groceries and, mm-hmm. and earns and Earl, mm-hmm. by the way. So, so Charles <laughs> is giving these faces. Davina, Davina's from Louisiana. My family's from Louisiana. So we both know these things. So Earl is oil. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we need some more Earl to cook, All some right. cooking Earl. And then, and, and orange, you is eat oranges. Oranges. <laughs> <laughs> is this, a, is this, um, is this an all Louisiana thing or like yeah. AAP? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Louisiana. Cause normally there are differences between the North and the South, mm-hmm. but, but this isn't one of them. Like okay. it's for me, I, my family's from the South and we don't consider folks from the North of Louisiana, as you know. Um, the Venus family's from northern Louisiana. So, but like, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a thing in, in scrimps. That's all that broken, <laughs> broken, broken English, French. Bro- uh, yeah, mm-hmm. broken French. And it's like, mm-hmm. wait, what are you saying? I had a whole argument over making groceries. I was like, look, like linguistically, it actually makes sense because that is how you say it in French. That is how you say in French and in Spanish. So it makes sense that it would have turned into, you don't say you're going to go buy groceries. You say you're going to go, you're going to go make the purchases. Mm. Haciendo las compras. You know, you're going to go make your purchases, mm. which is the, what you're purchasing is groceries. I'm not arguing for the use <laughs> of making groceries. I'm just saying that like basically it makes sense. And we can't just call everything that has that is cultural ghetto or country ignorant, or yeah. ignorant yeah it actually yeah. makes sense just like fixing yeah, makes it comes sense from somewhere, yeah. fixing comes from english how are you fixed for six o'clock that's how you know what are you fixing to do came about but people are just like oh fixing you country because mm-hmm. you say fixing it's like actually wow. it comes from the english british english you know what's interesting is um one of our former yogis who who's moved to mexico esmer and i had this conversation a couple years ago of how we both remember when we were younger in high school and we like explicitly worked on our language so that we would sound more intellectual. Oh, I did the same. And so, and we were like, man, what would I, <laughs> and that like fucks with your identity as yes. well. And it's like trying to fit into these boxes of what has been deemed as okay. Mm-hmm. And we were both like, we were like questioning with each other. What would I sound like if I didn't let all these things, mm. um, you sound like me. <laughs> I have no idea what I would, but I have a Persian accent because of my parents. Like, I don't know. You know, I, that, did you did you colonize your accent out of it? I pro- I guess I did. I, I, mean, I think we I have to. Mm-hmm. I think we have to because the thing is is that if you look at politics, um, listen to the radio, <laughs> watch films, mm-hmm. if you have any sort of discernible accent that points to X, you are pigeon toed or you are you are put at your pigeon hold, not pigeon toed, Lord <laughs> Jesus, you're pigeon hold into X character. And that's just it. I mean, look at Loretta Devine. Phenomenal, phenomenal mm-hmm. actress, wonderful actress. But she has three problems. <laughs> well, they put her she in has the same three, kind of role. She has, that's because she has three, <laughs> quote, problems. She's full-figured. She's dark-complected and black. And she has a, and she has a southern she's accent. Country. And once you put those three things together, then she's going to be the one serving up pie in the help. Oh, shit. I mean, she's going to be the help and she's going to be serving that poo pie in it. <laughs> I will say this. Um, having a having a white mother was quite interesting because that heifer 
will code switch in a second. I bet she will. Like you can hear, like we, because my mom is a school teacher still to this day. Uh-huh. So, and I unfortunately, and I don't think disrespectfully, but other people think it's disrespectful. But I call my mom Leah, her first name. Mm-hmm. So Leah would be on the phone and be talking one way. And then hang up the phone and call the next parent and be talking a whole oh, other way. Yes. And you're like, who is she? Like, who is that person over there? Mm-hmm. But one of the things I respect about my mother, because she raised four black women, is that she would she would always say, like, I never know. I will never know what it's like to be you. Mm-hmm. I'll never know what it's like to walk in your shoes. Mm-hmm. I have compassion and understanding for that. But, like, I'll never know what that's like and mm-hmm. I'll never take advantage of that just because I have black children and those are quotation marks for the people mm-hmm. who can't yeah. see because <laughs> I personally get triggered by white women who have black children mm-hmm. who then pretend or take on pretend to, to know to pretend yeah. to know or yeah and you'll never well, freaking know well it's also white women who date black men or women and pretend to know so one See, thing I don't care about that. I'm just like, don't have, don't pretend. That's true. But it's it the produces the same it's cultural the same consequence. Yeah. yeah, you don't know because though. you don't know. And one thing that I love about Lenny, and I, I, I swear, I chalk it up to her having been in the military. Hmm. Lenny's like, I don't know your experience. Now I know a lot about your experience because I was in the military, and and when being in the army, you're going to be around black folks. Like mm-hmm. Lenny was never shocked by my hair situation my hair rituals or things like that she knew you know what they were because she coexisted with black people Mm -hmm. in the military and and so she was and she had a plethora of black friends like most of her um male friends in the military and lovers were black Mm -hmm. and um and or, or 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 had an understanding of blackness because of her role in the military, yeah. she's a, a welder, and so when it when it um, so she she just knew. Now it wasn't that she sought that out; that was the world she lived in. And I think that that's that's also kind of an interesting thing. Is like when the world that you live in changes to choice, you know, like how you move about the world becomes different. Like you were talking about mm-hmm. when you were um, in this really white environment. Like having like what what that looks like, and for me, for sure, I, I will never forget hearing um, Ross Perot the first time. I heard Ross Perot. I was I was a disciple of Oprah, right? And here comes Ross Perot. He's like, "Hi, I'm Ross Perot, and I'm running for president." <laughs> and I was like, "This dude is never gonna win because it doesn't matter how many companies he has." It doesn't matter what his what his titles are, how, how, how hard he flexes. Anybody who hears that accent is going to think he's ignorant. I'm like, it, it doesn't matter. Like he was amazing. He was, this dude was so wealthy. It didn't matter, and he didn't win. There was no way he was ever going to win because he was talking like this. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm from Texas, so I have two choices. I can either sound like that or not sound like that. So I chose not to sound like that. Mm-hmm. To date, people are like, where are you from? I'm like, Texas. They're like, no, but I mean, originally. I'm like, yeah, no, originally I'm from mm-hmm. here. And they're like, no way. No way. And I'm like, well, I do speak several languages. They're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, nah. I remember the day where I actively said, I'm not going to sound like that. <laughs> You're like, I ain't trying to sound like I that. I am not trying to sound like that. It can come out, and it comes out every now and then. Especially with I'm, when I'm with some country-ass family, you know, it'll come out. But it rarely comes out. 
But we, but historically, so I got to throw in a little bit of history, you know, I know. So like, but historically it makes sense because like if you go to all of the places that colonized us, the whole world, I mean, your accent actually determined your social status, period. You're like, you, you sound like this, you are, you have access to that. And I think it's interesting that we have taken on this role of the colonizer within our own communities that are no longer under that influence, but we still do the same shit with one another. And we still like use that against one another too. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you say X, so you're your country. And I'm like, or you say X. Wait, mm -hmm. or stop playing, Tamika. You're pushing the envelope here. I'm gonna say <laughs> I believe that. Like I don't play that. Yeah, I don't. I do not say ax. Let me ask you something. Right. But uh, I do know people who it, do. What is the one? Uh, specific. Oh, Pacific. No, 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 no. I can't go there. Like, but that's a whole not word. That's a whole word that means something totally different. <laughs> like, and it's coming from like you as a linguist. Yeah. This is to me the linguist also. So it is like it rationalizing, is. rationalizing in a way that I cannot. I don't know. I just don't you come up to me talking about ask? I gotta ask. I gotta ask question. you. Some, I, I can't even do it. I, I gotta ask, ask you something. But there are people I know who do it, and they're also educated people. Now, okay, my truth is that I ask myself, "What college did you graduate?" <laughs> Still saying that, but and that's colonizing because <laughs> and that's the thing bringing us back to like this. You know, we started this talking about what are these boxes that we put ourselves mm -hmm. in, or that we put others in, and it's like. At this point, like, there's so many people who are intellectual or not. Everyone has a place. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, first of all. Yes. Like, whether or not you've been to school or haven't been to school. Yes. You've had privileges or you haven't. Like, we are, like, everyone has the same, um, like, we're all on the same level. Yes. No one is better than the other. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I agree. I will say this. When I was a school teacher, <laughs> flex. Are <laughs> <laughs> you going to, like, say Wait, that after every identity? Every, every, <laughs> every teacher has to, like, make their um, their their door handle thing or the thing that you put above your door. It's, like, a little picture with your mm -hmm. name on it and mm -hmm. stuff. And this is when I worked at Yes Prep. And everybody was doing these, like, really intricate art pieces and, like, <laughs> And I drew a box with your name outside of it. <laughs> inside of the pot, inside of the box, I put a dot, and I wrote you. And on the outside of the box, I put me. <laughs> <laughs> FYI, when I see you do a shit like that on Instagram, I'm just gonna have sex flex. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious, and not even like I cannot even really say everything that I want to say most days because I'm ignorant and I know that like there's a lot that I don't know I'm not stupid but I'm definitely ignorant there's we're all ignorant to a lot mm -hmm. and, and and I acknowledge that only because like there are things that I just don't care about or, or, or <laughs> right. like they're not in my priority list of like I need to know this I am not skilled in many areas so I can say I feel like it's but a, we also don't have to know everything or be right. everything. Someone, someone put, you know, those things that always float around are like, mm -hmm. how many states have you visited? And da, da, da. And it's like, most people have only visited blah, blah. I'm like, every state I haven't visited, I haven't wanted to visit. <laughs> FYI. Like, I don't want to visit any of them. Well, I'm just like. <laughs> but also, I'm just like, these things are, are stupid. Mm -hmm. Because first of all, 
it just, I don't know. I won't go there. I don't but. feel bad about not knowing things. I'm no. just saying that I acknowledge that there are things that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then what I, look, what I think I know, which I don't know anything, <laughs> but the things I do think I know, I would express myself or share about pretty openly. And I think a lot of people have, um, you know, followed me on Instagram thinking like, oh, this is a really open person and she's um, so, so real, so real and so authentic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then um, I always think it's funny when they meet me in real life and I'm the same mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. waiting for this other person to mm-hmm. arrive. Yeah. And then when I show them who I am, not who they, the, who they thought I was, but when I show them who I am, uh, especially mm-hmm. around boundaries, but I, I think that's where you code switch. I, I, I'm going to agree. I'm going to disagree with you not code switching because you know what you, you know what a form of code switching is though, is you don't show your, you don't allow access for, to, to your whole self to everyone. I don't, I do not more so, but, but, but that's just because of boundaries. Yes. I think. For me, it's straight up boundaries. Like, yeah. I will code, like block somebody in yeah. a second, emotionally, energetically, yes. like that. Yes. Yeah. I think everyone, if you have strong boundaries, everyone has that. Like everyone mm-hmm. doesn't get the same yeah. access. Yeah. It's not like you're getting a different me. You're just only getting a little tiny piece. Mm-hmm. And then those who have earned it or who have shown that they can handle it or whatever it is, yeah. get right. more and more. And as and as I get to know you, you get more. But like for a long time, I think I think that um, for me, I didn't I did not trust people to not be. Uh, judgmental because I'd grown up with so much judgment Mm -hmm. you know and and you know I just I just you know and of course I'm the middle child too so I'm over there tap dancing for my family Mm -hmm. just like tap dancing from family like hey I'm over here and they're like look I'm gonna need you to do what you do I don't have time exhausting mine currently I mean uh, mine looks like when I'm with people who don't understand like the world that I'm in I have to act like I know what I'm doing and I have a path and a plan yeah so it's like you yes. oh, you decided to not do whatever but like no but I have a plan like this all is going somewhere mm-hmm. and so I do that with some people but with others I'm like I'm just in the present moment yeah yeah you know well, have you found that to be more of a thing whenever you're around uh Persian people yes yes because there's such an uh, is this such a success oriented you know what's yes interesting no. is that Persian? older older Persians people who yeah. are my age um see it differently and I think it's just we're experiencing <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone's, and there's some, you know, it's kind of a little bit of both because you're, we're in this, I mean, we're in our 30s. There's a space of like, mm-hmm. okay, I followed all the rules and now like, where am I at? Do I like it? Mm-hmm. Do I not? And then there's a part of like, man, I don't actually like where I'm at, but I'm afraid to step out because it's in the opposite direction of everything I thought I've known. But what's so interesting is that like in Persian culture, there's, it's so success oriented mm-hmm. and in black culture, it's, it's survival oriented. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. It's like, it's like, it doesn't matter how successful you are. Did you, but did you die though? You know, <laughs> <laughs> but that is fudged. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, oh, you're doing this now, like, but you're the manager, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. All of boss. it is crazy. All of it is crazy. And and I just, mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's where a lot of those things, you know, ha- a lot of that, that's that, I don't know, walking about the planet is informed by that. Mm-hmm. So what do y'all feel about being like brown and in yoga? And what do you guys think about... Um, teaching from a philosophy that is not a part of your heritage. I have no qualms about being a black person 
or a brown person teaching yoga. And I don't, it could be because I'm like blocking all the negative energy, but I don't <laughs> feel, I don't feel judged or I've actually never felt uncomfortable in the yoga setting in that sense. I think where I felt more judged was not about my skin. It was mm-hmm. more so about size. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as the second question was about, it was about <laughs> teaching from a heritage that isn't yours. Yeah. So I have a private client who is from India and she goes back every now and then, or actually every year, not now and then she goes back every year. Um, and she shared with me that like, I remind, like I remind her of her people or her peers. Mm-hmm. And she has been coming to my class for years and She's like, I love that you are who you are. You show up authentically. You, you know, do mm-hmm. these things. And it's like you're a walking, um, what did she say? Like a walking, um, I can't think of the word. But basically, I'm walking my talk. Mm-hmm. And I'm not putting out one facade, like something mm-hmm. out front, and then that's not actually mm-hmm. actually who I am. And that's, so she respects That's too much work anyway. Yeah, for, but. For grown I'm, folks. I'm sorry. Don't play that because there are so many black Black and brown teachers and white teachers, honestly, who do the whole like, and and the chakras and the crystals and do all of that and then go out and, you know, cuss somebody out in the parking lot or whatever the case is, or don't even know the history of yoga. Yeah. But I, I, I just, to me, that's just, that's a lot of work. Like walking, like, like purporting one thing and, and then acting totally differently, that's too much work for me. I don't have time to do mm-hmm. that type of work. I think people just have, like, split personalities. I don't think they have split personalities. I think they're working real hard on that, and that's, like, that's their mm-hmm. child. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, I have a whole real child, yeah. so I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to be doing that. I just I just don't. What about you? What was the first question? First question, I don't know. What it was, was it? How do I feel? Brown. Yeah, how do I feel being brown and, and being a yoga. teacher or being in yoga? Mm-hmm. Um, I only recently really started to feel it, and it was more when I started practicing um, in different spaces that were mostly white, and mm-hmm. I was like felt feeling very uncomfortable being the only brown person. Mm-hmm. It was very strange, mm-hmm. um, and I still feel that. I mean, it's it's been in the last two or three years. That's one of the reasons I love the studio that that we were yeah. at, you know, because I remember I walked into the room and it was literally every type of person, mm-hmm. every type of career, every type of body shape, every type of color, um, and every gender, yeah. and every gender, yeah. and every you I know, love that. Diverse. yeah. The, the, the diversity was the first yes. thing I noticed when I first moved to Houston and practiced in that way. Um, so, and that's so from. So yeah, that's the main thing. As as a teacher, I feel um, I feel great actually. Now every time I teach, I feel really um, um, steadfast. I guess is the word that's coming mm-hmm. to mind. Um, but as a as a student of it in the U.S. or in Houston, I feel like sometimes I feel very like I tokenize myself, which is a weird thing too. Mm. But I feel very out like singled out. It and might it did. might be quote weird, but I think it makes sense mm-hmm. because when you're yeah, I mean, I mean, we we are walking in this in this path of uh, in a lineage that that culturally doesn't belong to us, yeah. but we are with gratitude yeah. and an honor for the original lineage mm-hmm. um, sharing it. I think that that is a very different thing for all three of us than for other teachers, particularly some teachers of color that um, are out there doing the thing that are, that are, it's not even about teachers of color. I think it's about a lot of people in full stop, just like 
taking on this persona mm-hmm. of like yogi mm-hmm. and wearing all the things and doing all the things and um and not actually that feels more like cultural appropriation yeah. there it, in my completely, personal absolutely yeah. well I think, I think that was the big thing that I'm um so I've been teaching now almost four or I did my training four years ago so at the beginning, it was a lot of like, oh, I love the feeling of these things that I'm hearing. So it was kind of that like mm-hmm. imitation a little bit. But then there was also that thing inside of me where I was like, something's off. I don't know enough. I don't know. Like there's something that I could always be doing more of. And how am I honoring this thing that is not mine? And I I look India. I actually, people usually think that I'm yeah. Indian. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt a little bit... Um, not wrong, but I felt a little weird about that because I was like, I, you think that I represent this thing because I look like I'm Indian, but I'm not. So I didn't want to, um, like step on any toes with that. Mm-hmm. Where my transformation, I think, has come and feeling more comfortable in, as in teaching it is like actually taking the time to read and study the sutras and study the lineage mm-hmm. and honoring it. And I don't need to like say it at the beginning of every class of like, this is where everything came from, mm-hmm. you know, all these. Every single new age, um, what's it called? Like personal development book is literally the yoga sutras. <laughs> I know. I was teaching in different words. I and know. that is the most fascinating thing to me is like, this is literally like thousands of years old. Until you read American Veda and you're like, but actually teaching, yeah. So, but actually teaching from like from the sutras and like, and that's where Vipassana was like an injection of that too, mm-hmm. was um, like living every single moment of my day with that in my mind of like, how am I moving in this world? And using that, that's where I feel more in line and in step. And I don't feel like I'm appropriate. I'm, I'm very sensitive to am I appropriating or am I mm-hmm. not? And what can I do to honor it? Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. I feel yeah. much better now that like when I do speak in those ways i, I, I think we uh-huh. i wanted to share that it's yes. not just the crystals and the <laughs> like woo-woo and the dresses and mm-hmm. the flowy it's not just that mm-hmm. but the other side of it is is your trap yogas and your mm-hmm. like i love trap yoga i know but it's in the same boat it's the twerking during but the is classes. it yeah it is actually i you brought, you so. brought something up the other day about booty yoga yeah well oh, that's yeah. different oh, for me know. and a whole nother boat but i'm saying in uh, terms of okay. like um, Trap Yoga Bay did her teacher training in India. I know. And to come back, and my thing is, is same thing about booty yoga. Call it something else. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay. So here's my thing on on all of it. For me, because I actually love trap yoga, and what I don't, is I trap don't, yoga? Wait, but I was just about to say. <laughs> but I was just about to say. You like rap music? Okay. But no. I, exactly. I was just about to say. I personally did not love the. Although I'm great that she, I'm so happy that this person is cultivating a space for people who feel that there is no space for them in yoga. I personally did not enjoy Trap Yoga Bay's experience because for me, it was a very basic sequence and I wanted to flow more. Um, I felt, I feel, um, very much like anybody who now, as you know, I curse, um, but I don't need someone to curse all the time to like legitimize themselves mm-hmm. as being authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's just like I, I curse in all the languages I speak, <laughs> and um, and I don't feel compelled to have to say, you know, f- fuck in a class. Mm-hmm. Like I might say it outside of it, but I am acutely aware that I have 
people of all different situations in my class. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's not trap. For me, to, to answer your question, for me, trap yoga is simply um, doing your authentic practice with music that is modern um, and from and 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 black black American inspired. So for me, like doing um, yoga with trap music is trap yoga and practicing authentically in the practice. Because the thing is, is for me, trap is all about like embracing all of all of the all of the the stuff that has been pushed to the margins of society and and saying no that's that's okay. And so I can get behind that because I I feel that who who are the ones who are saying what's okay in I'm society? Like, why call it trap yoga? But My for me it's like, simply because of the music. I like, know, but I also know the person who founded trap yoga which was not yeah, trap yoga. I know, it's that dude over in Brandon DC. Copeland, yes, yeah. which is his philosophy is not that. No, I I, so I I'm like we've changed it well, up. What is his philosophy? Well, I mean, it's also this idea of like being in the trap Meet me in the trap, oh. right? Mm. And this is their space to be themselves, to journey through what that is like within yeah. their body and the movement of their practice with the sounds. But to me, I'm like, that's traumatizing as hell. If, if that's yeah. the case, then like yeah. my mind's going there. And and to to if I'm listening to this music and I'm <clears throat> embodying that or trying to move mm. pat through that, past that with movement, I have no idea. Yeah, for me, it's, it's not very trauma-informed. It's not. It's not. <laughs> and so for me, I'm more of like, the goat yoga, the, oh, like, stop it, stop the trap, like, just call it yoga, and you can say, like, I'm teaching with trap music, yeah, that's fine, but yeah, for no me, sequence, that's what that is, there's no sequencing methodology or anything no. that you could say is, like, this is trap yoga, yeah, no, and for me, for me, trap yoga is simply teaching yoga with to trap music, or trap music. Gotcha. it's not about, uh, and, but it's also, for me, it's always about authenticity, I'm not going to teach differently because I'm teaching yoga with trap music as well. I'm not going to curse throughout the entire class because I wouldn't do that anyway. Right. Now, um, I, I would do a twerking chaturanga because those are fun. Um, and so I, you throw and, your sacrum off, girl. Girl, my sacrum is fine. My sacrum was made for that. <laughs> no, but I but I, I, I do believe in bringing, but for me, Tamika Kasten Miller, I believe in bringing an element of fun to the practice as Absolutely. well for myself. Yeah. And that is authentic expression for me. So that's what I'm bringing. If that's not authentic expression for someone else, it would be isolating and appropriating their experience to force them into that. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, mm -hmm. but what I was saying about booty yoga the other day is that what I believe the the theory behind booty yoga is is because they're trying to make these circular movements theoretically like moving the moving the nadis or shaking mm -hmm. the nadis up to move um, energy up shumanadi. Okay, that is what I think is was the the goal for that. Um, however, <laughs> I mean the thing is is that I don't think that's oftentimes what is stated or. Or what Why are y'all just doing African dance half the time? Now what? My thing I is, it's not, it's not, it's not appropriating, in my opinion, it's not appropriating yoga. It's culturally appropriating <laughs> Af African <laughs> movements, African dance. Yeah. 
And so like, I don't mind taking, I wouldn't mind taking a booty yoga class from someone black. I would mind taking booty yoga from someone white. And then that, that sounds crazy, but it's true. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would have, I, I don't know. It's just weird for me. I, my thing is, is like <laughs> we sitting here, the three of us have an understanding of what yoga is, mm -hmm. right? And in terms of the asana practice, we know we you can research Iyengar, uh, Ashanga. You can mm -hmm. go back and look at Krishnamacharya. You can go back mm -hmm. and do all of that. And my thing is, is in this pursuit, uh, in, in the commercialization and capitalism within the yoga industry, we can do better. Like stop yes. calling yeah. these things, stop creating things based off of this ancient practice that does not need it. No, yeah. the whole the, that's the that's the thing is that it doesn't need it's literally existed room for, for all, thousands of years. Yes, and it's like it's uh, what's the word? It's um like transcended yes. all of these things. Like yes. oh, I don't need to add this adjective to make it sexy for today. It's mm -hmm. like what I I mean I said the other day. I don't know if you're in that class, but I'm like you know. I, I told a whole like 55 people who are looking at me who are ready to get a quote, get a good sweat. I'm like, look, if you're just here for good sweat, like, okay, I'm glad you're here. And <laughs> like Jane Fonda did not, did yeah. not survive the eighties. Okay. Yoga has literally survived 2000 years. So if you're, if you're here for an alternative to jazzercise, that that's not, that's not what this is. Like at some point, you have to understand that something has been around how long has something beyond just like, let's do the movements. Oh, it's time to do the thing and let's get the sweat. Mm, I feel better. Gatorade, you know, whatever. It's just like, it's it's got to be more than that because it's, it lasts. Like bullshit ends, truth and here's what happens when we don't, when we don't call these things out now, mm -hmm. then you end up, I had someone I don't care. I'm going to say it because I'll tell it to her face, but literally that approached me who's in um, a teacher training that just finished a, a basic teacher training. And it's like, yeah, I'm thinking of leading teacher training in 2022. Did you say leading mm. two years from now? So when we don't speak up, this mm -hmm. is what happens. Mm -hmm. And people think that, Oh, I just needed to learn these things. And like, that's yoga. And now I have the right, I don't even think that I have the right or have, should have the audacity to be leading teacher trainings. And yet here's someone who's been practicing for like six months, did a teacher training. is on A 200 next, hour. Yes, and is now currently in my 300 hour. And now come, has the audacity to come to their teacher and say, yeah, I'm thinking about leading. I'm going to do this. <laughs> but it's all that, you know, trying to make money off of yoga. And I get it. White people have been doing it. <laughs> Let's yeah. just be real. Right. And so I think in the brown, black and brown communities, people are trying to figure out how do I make this money then? I see these people killing the game and making all this money off of yoga. So it's like the same thing that happens in every other industry. Now, you know, black people are trying to figure out how do I make money to do this? And I'm like, not like that. But if you but if that if you start with that goal, I think that's the that's your downfall. Yeah. I mean the thing is it's like for me though, you know, being being in a place now where I can <clears throat> where I can for for me I'm yoga has informed other things that I am doing mm -hmm. and sharing about those things has been something that is worthy of of paying for. Um, and also, you know, sharing, giving, delivering experiences mm -hmm. 
are things that people have said are worth paying for. Mm -hmm. That said, I think if I, I don't, for me, it's not like I need to make X dollars and there, therefore I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And and for a long time. And I think if you don't have a little bit of discomfort initially in charging for yoga, then that says a lot. Like for me, it's been a shift mm -hmm. to even be like, okay, well then I guess, you know, I guess I'll charge blah, blah, blah. Like I had someone tell me, she was like, that's how much you charge for a sound bath? They're like, girl, do you know how much work you're, and I'm, and I, and, and they're right. Like it's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of self-preparation. It's a lot of investment of time, energy, money, mm -hmm. like just to actually have bowls as, a, like, as you yeah. learn yeah. is a big <clears throat> expense and to, to transport, it's a lot. I need help getting mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And so I was like, oh, well, but I feel like this is what's fair, you know, for compensation. And, um, and they're like, no, you're, you're undercharging people. Mm -hmm. And that, and, and, but for me, it was uncomfortable to ask for that. So that's been a shift, right? So for, for now, even still, like now that I am going to leave, you know, a teacher training in the, What's the, in the summer of teacher time, training, 3,900. Thank you, Jesus. I was like, <laughs> but it, it, it is, I think it's and fair and it is and that piece is here too, right? Yeah. So yeah. Like, the pieces here are, um, are, are they in addition to the 3,900? No. Okay. They're included. It's, but the 3,900 is the whole experience. Oh, and FYI, if you are interested in that teacher training, three of the teachers are right here on this podcast. <laughs> episode. I'm but just yeah. like, cause no. the pricing you just For said others, it, but you said it. Some people have a problem charging. But it's not a problem charging. What it is, it is, it is a problem holding, I don't know, it's people wanting to make money is what it is. Yeah. But my thing is, is like, don't make your teacher training cheaper. Mm -hmm. Keep the teacher training at the industry rate and make payment plans. Like yeah. if you yes. want to help people out in that mm -hmm. way. There's another way to do it versus like devaluing yeah, everybody else. Huge, yeah, the people are stuff. people are not trying to help people. No, people are trying to grab market share. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the thing is, is it's like that's when it's like ego is getting in the way of yes. like this is my like my training and this is why you should do this one and not that one. I think we talked about it as like if I'm not the right teacher for you, I'm gonna give you ten other options that yeah. I know of that could be a great fit. Exactly. First of all, I'm not trying to undervalue teacher trainings because if you're doing it right, <laughs> people are learning a lot and you had to, you personally had to learn a lot in order to share that. And for me personally, I'm like, I'm missing teaching my own students for this training. Mm -hmm. I'm missing being at home with my family doing this training. I believe that it's really important. And I believe that there is a, there is a value to that. If you want to learn yoga, yoga is free. Right? <laughs> like, it's free. You can learn yoga for free. But if you want to learn how to teach yoga from me, you're asking for you're asking for time. You're asking for the investment I put in. And that costs something. And it costs and, and there is an industry standard. My question is for $1,000 or $1,100 or whatever, what are you getting from that? But when you don't know, you don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, you think, like, this is amazing. This is, mm -hmm. this is all I got. Uh, how many of y'all got duped? <laughs> <laughs> how many of y'all got duped? 
for three thousand dollars. Okay, I, I, I mean, lucky. I mean, my thing is this. For me, <laughs> I got for lucky me, with that one. I slid right under. Yeah. For me, as a curious person. I knew, well, you know we had a whole hashtag going, hashtag oh not in the 200 hour. I saw, oh yeah. Yeah, like we knew that there were things that we were not learning mm -hmm. because we, we knew, we knew we weren't getting the whole story. Yeah. And I think for me, it seeded curiosity. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that for like 25 others, it didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> but there are people who come out of training saying like, I'm a great teacher. Like I'm a great hot yoga teacher. And I'm like, you mean you can you can memorize a sequence because you do not know anatomy. Mm -hmm. You do oh. not. I still feel like that, and I've been in this for. <laughs> I've been practicing ten years. I've been like teaching for three or four, and I'm like, I still don't feel competent enough. And I think that's the work. Is I think my experience. I, is there a point <clears throat> in which you feel competent no. enough? I no, because the world is always changing. The body is always changing. Yes, and I if you get to that though. You got a problem. You got a problem. <laughs> right. I think, the, and and the world of biomechanics is changing. Yeah, so always. every time you learn anything about biomechanics, things are, like Judith Lasseter is is writing a book right now that I think that I was telling in training that I think the title of the book is "Stop Tucking Your Tailbone." Oh yeah, oh, that's <laughs> old though. That's years old. But she, her book is literally stop that. Love that, and she's just like. Y'all, can mm -hmm. we please stop teaching this? Can we stop yep. saying this? Can yep. we stop doing this? Like you're hurting people. This is where injuries come from. But the thing is, is that people will go to 200. Like from, I, I don't know. Like I am naturally curious, so I can't just stop with where I am. Also, I mean, my wife would say that I have to continue collecting cert certifications and degrees. Whatever. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I had a really different experience going through training because I, I know that some of our peers we were like, I can do this too. Like this thought of like, I can do this and I can do it better. Mm -hmm. I know a couple of people had that yes. thought. And um, my experience was the opposite. It was a very humbling experience yes. of like, I thought I knew a bunch and I realized how much I don't know. Mm -hmm. And it was like, is recognizing how much inner work needed to be done before you can even show up to the stage to think about teaching. Yeah. Just to think about teaching. Like, let it, like the knowledge and all that will come. You can do trainings and go do, you can go look at a cadaver. I can do all that stuff. And there's so much inner wisdom that's still mm -hmm. in like inner growth. If you're not doing your own shit, if you're not taking care mm -hmm. of yourself, I don't want you teaching me. Mm -hmm. And that was yeah. something that I, you know, that was a thing that I did love about the training was that um, one of our lead trainers, um, maybe day seven or something, demonstrated because um, she kind of came out. I don't, I remember specifically a story and I don't think it's appropriate to share it right now. Mm -hmm. It's like not my story, but um, she was, you could see her in her work mm -hmm. in like in front of all of us, there were mm -hmm. fifty-five of us there, mm -hmm. sixty of us there. No, you guys are pushing the limit. We never had more than fifty-one. I mean, so we, we had nine. Had... We had nine assistants. There were oh, you're talking with about the people there. Were... I was like, y'all be lying. Oh, we yeah, were, we were forty-one plus nine. We were fifty people okay, total yeah. that were in the room. Yeah. But I, but I loved that she was in that experience in front of us because it kind of showed me that evolution never stops. Yeah. You know, and I, and it humbled me in that moment to be like, this is never ending. Like this onion is never ending that I'm peeling. And that is also necessary in order for me to guide people through whatever experience they're about to have. But can I say, I think that uh, part of the reason why we feel the way that we feel is because we are not white people. And I mean, and no one, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, but, and, and, you know, 
no intentional shade to white listeners, but like the thing is, is there is a sense of privilege of of being able to just occupy a space Mm -hmm. and put up a soul cycle in Brooklyn and begin to gentrify a whole, a whole, Mm -hmm. you know, area. And the the thing is, is I think that what has happened is that yoga itself has become a bit gentrified and by a bit, I mean a lot. Mm -hmm. Hello. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, Baron Baptiste, but like it's been, <laughs> it has been, and I'm like, and like intentionally changing the language. So, for example, Baron Baptiste, be, like, is famous for saying, find the balance between effort and knees. That okay. is totally That's not what Sitran Suka actually even means. But he's like, nah, this is how I'm saying it because it sounds good. And it's like, no, it's steadiness and ease. And I'm like, you changed the whole thing mm-hmm. because because you had the caucasity to do it. Hey, well, I didn't even was... because one of y'all's teachers took Sanskrit out of the training that was originally I there. Because I learned Sanskrit in, in the first yoga one training and it eventually was taken out. I know. And I remember it was purposeful. And I when I learned yoga, I learned yoga, like my yoga practice mm-hmm. was always in Sanskrit. And it was odd that it was it was always that it was in English from, you know, changing to that studio. And I was just like, why are we taking this out? And what's crazy is just like any language. Like for me, I'm like, I'm like fuzzy on the Sanskrit now. And, um, and, and I'm like, this is bullshit because this is literally how I came to the practice was through the language of Sanskrit and Sanskrit is the great unifier of, of yoga. But like the, the, the reality for me, you know, being a, a, a black woman navigating this space where a lot of people don't even believe that I belong because I am a full figured woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hate in the community is real, yeah. you know, um, excuse me where's your half top yeah and, and just like all of that or where's your lululemon i'm like literally lululemon does not sell shit in my size but hello prana and athleta i will sport them all day you know what i'm saying but um it, and then i'm like you know what screw lululemon like my first like six years of practicing yoga i practiced in walmart damskin brand because that's what i could very quickly pick up I wasn't trying to, you know, be anything or any, whatever. I was just trying to be there. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> and not because I'm an ambassador. <laughs> but because there are no other types that have held me quite right. And I have, <laughs> I still have, to this day, my first pair you of know, Lululemon pants. You know what? Screw Lululemon and their sizes and all the So I, I feel that. I feel that. But it's also like when people have niches, like petite stores and stores that are boutique that's stores. That's not a niche to go up one size. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a different story. I'm just saying that like people who have items that are only in this size or only in this style. Look, I know, like, I know you're going to love on Lululemon because you're just an saying, No, but for real, we can't sell everything. What's their product? Not forget Lululemon. Think of someone else. I think of Tommy Hilfiger. And how, but even he had to transition. Even he had to say, you know what? And Black they folks may. Are my brand. They may. They better. They are evolving. Until they do. They are evolving. I'm a fuck Lululemon <laughs> all day long. 
on. They are evolving and they are supporting people in community in ways that they have not in years past. And you can see it. Like you can, if you go. For me, Lululemon is the soul cycle of yoga clothes. There, I said it. I don't even, I, I, I've never been to Soul Cycle, so I don't, I don't either. Know. Because, oh, well, I because don't of know that. what that is, anyway. But, but they go into areas, they like place a little Soul Cycle and, you know, in this area, and then, and then the whole area like just transitions around them. It's like, it's like the beginning. You can tell where gentrification, if you ever want to know where to buy real estate, find, find the Soul Cycles mm-hmm. because they're, they are a part of the gentrification, whatever. I'm not trying to damn Then we would have one in Third Ward or Midtown, so stop playing. Soul Cycle? I'm sure no, there is I'm one. I'm talking about a Lululemon. Oh, a <laughs> No, they ain't ready. They ain't ready. They're like, nah, we're going to stick with Houston Heights. Mm. But I, th- I feel that we are able to have this conversation because we know that we are not of this lineage and we do not immediately go in mm-hmm. and have the have the audacity to just go in and colonize and call it and place a, a stick in it and say ours. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, look, this is not this is not mine. This is literally from this other place. Mm-hmm. And I give honor and respect for the for its lineage. And I am stepping into this lineage with respect. Yeah. And that's and that's different. I think that that's like how intersectionality works to the benefit of others is because we can then teach from that space because mm-hmm. folks just be like, like the person I'm curious about this person who took a 200 hour, who thinks she can teach in five minutes. Is this person a person of color? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Because you know, the yoga entrepreneurship workshops and things like that inspire and motivate people to do this for a living and make money. And so teacher training is a way to make money. So she's assisting a teacher training. She's assisting, um, I don't know what the name of that training is, but she's assisting a 200 hour training by a person led by another person of color. But she's been a yogi for six months. She did her training in maybe the last year. So I don't know. It might be more than six months. But my thing is, is that if she's been practicing for like 10 she years has and she, wow. she's not even enough old enough okay. for it to be. I was trying. Yeah, you I did. was trying. You I was tried. trying. I did try. Cause I, I mean, I don't, I don't actually look at it as to how long you've been teaching. I look at it as how long you've I been do practicing. in the sense of, and me and Charles have talked about this in regards to say someone like you, you haven't necessarily been teaching yoga for mm-hmm. a very long time. But you're a teacher. Well, and actually, I was educator. But I actually was teaching yoga, just not according to Yoga Alliance. Well, either way, because I was teaching when I was teaching my kids, I would teach them not certified. However, you want to call it. The point is, is that you're because of your life experiences and your expertise in so many. Yeah, girl. There's there's the element of like and of. Um, you're one, you're an educator. And this is what I'm noticing personally, being able to study and do trainings this year with both of you is getting to, um, experience it from an actual, actual educator's perspective of like setting up lesson plans and making sure we understand what what, that we're actually, what do you call it? Check for understanding Understanding. all of that stuff. And it's such a, I feel like I'm in school again, which is so different than any of the other trainings where it was just like blurting out information that was half information and half to stories. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's that. (laughs) So there's that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, but that is hilarious. <laughs> yep, I had one. I had one experience, and I'll, I'll share it some other time. <laughs> but 
And it was from someone who wasn't from Houston. It was a very interesting experience. Um, but yeah, so there's that. You're an educator, so you know how to actually teach people. Two, you've been in your own personal work for over 10 years, time. 15 years maybe, that you've been in this practice and in the self-study. And because of your curiosity and because you are a historian, mm-hmm. you are a linguist, you you have that natural um like that need to dig in a little more than what someone's going to give you just on um, in a worksheet. You know? Oh, yeah. Like you're not or taking... Or in an Instagram post, oh, right? You see an Instagram post and all of a sudden you know everything about this topic, right? <gasps> oh, I get it! So, like, oh my God, I'm, I've evolved just by reading no. this post. So it's yeah. not just a performative thing that you're doing. Yeah. You're, you've actually gone in and you're doing all these trainings. You're bringing it all yeah. back. And so I find that's for me was where I was like, okay, this is what living that life looks like. This is what... Um, yeah, living your yoga looks like. Well, I appreciate you. I'll say this, uh, and I'm sure you don't know what this is about, how long can we go? I got to roll. But uh, what I want to say is that what I did take from the experience, or I'll say one of the positive things, which there were many, but that stands out from the the trainings that we have been a part of Mm -hmm. is I am not afraid to be who I am. Yeah. And those practice, like being in teacher trainings helped me just be like, it's okay to be you. Mm -hmm. It is okay to be you. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of times I've been sat in the middle of a circle and people, 50 people have watched me cry. Mm. Many a times have people watch me walk through personal traumas that I don't even know like that. Mm -hmm. So I will say this, I a hundred percent, learn to net like it's solidified i've never been afraid to be me but it was like don't you ever back down from who you are mm-hmm. m- moving forward mm-hmm. and it was funny because then on the other side of that when you know yoga one was sold i had to face my teacher mm. and not back the and not down. be you mm. yeah i mean and, and be and not not be you yes yeah and yeah. she didn't like it she did not like it, mm-hmm. but it was like, you created this monster. Yeah. <laughs> monster. Yeah. You, you yeah. solidified that for me. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say that from my, what I really gained from that experience was being able to name my bullshit. That for me was a huge, huge blessing mm-hmm. because I didn't see what it was for myself and I had to identify it so then I could be of service to other people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as I've mentioned time and time again, until I was able to move past my own bullshit stories, I could not be of service to others, at least not in the same way. Yeah. It, it was so much work, like dealing with my own bullshit stories and trying to be of service and trying to empower other people. It was, it was, it was like, even though I was empowering them, I wasn't able to receive the blessing of their, um, of their, their thank you, their gratitude for it, you know, because I was too busy in imposter syndrome, which is really just a screwed up relationship with ego. Mm -hmm. Um, and So being able to actually see that, I was like, you know what? No, actually, I do have something to bring to the table. I do not know everything. I'm okay with not knowing everything. And I'm okay with being able to say I am still in my own work. And I've done a lot of work before now, Mm -hmm. which for me came actually out of being in spiritual director training, which had happened like 12, well, I guess, yeah, like 10 years prior to that. 
So like going through that and identifying my own dogma and all that stuff, and then bringing all of that formation to the table was a huge, was a huge gift. So, I mean, there's something to say for those, for, for all of those trainings, but did it prepare me? To go lead a 200-hour training? Hell no, man. I had to learn a lot more than that. But anyway, what about you? What was your biggest takeaway from... From our training? Yeah. Well, I shared it, that the evolution never stops. Mm. I think that's a constant thing that keeps revealing itself to me. You know, you just Mm. want to be evolved and be done. Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, that was the biggest takeaway, that the evolution um, never ends. And then also how much I... How many, um, how hidden I was under all of my shit. Mm. And I think I'm still uncovering a bunch mm-hmm. of it because that stuff is I think we keep deep. uncovering it. It's so deep mm-hmm. and it's just never, that. I mean, it's never ending. Um, but yeah, my, my biggest, that was my biggest takeaway. Evolution oh, ends. Oh, I will say one last, one other, one last thing is I learned to cite your sources. Because a lot of times <laughs> when our teachers would say things they would say it as though they invented those things and I was like wait a minute when I started learning more I'm like oh this is not your saying this is not your story this is not your quote none of these are yours these are things that came from cite your damn sources well they did used to and then it got to a point where they stopped calling out their teachers names and stopped calling out but some of it was like Ancient wisdom. I mean, I, I think they it literally just shifted in time to not do that, you know, just so that they they were elevated, mm-hmm. they were on the status, mm-hmm. and I and I love both of them still, yeah. and that was that was that was not okay. Like as a former classroom educator, um, cite your sources because mm-hmm. you then stole a lot. If you didn't, that was plagiarism, mm-hmm. and selling it as your own words was not okay and for me that was the first lesson in cultural appropriation i learned was when people would take white people would take brown people's words Mm -hmm. as their own and sell that shit (laughs) that was a problem for me it continues to be a problem for me yeah and and it continues to happen happens every day i'm like or artwork or whatever anything creative is constantly being taken yeah but especially from whom and you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and we live in abundance and it's all coming it is all higher consciousness being birthed and rebirthed and all of those things and stop acting like these words are your own when they're not period Mm-hmm. with a T <laughs> and on that note um I oh my goodness I'm I'm so thankful for knowing you two um to the most conscious people I know and um for Davina specifically what I love about you is that you're very transparent with your own evolution and your work and I appreciate that. And so to follow Davina, to add to her many ass followers, um, you can follow her at I am Davina Davidson. <laughs> and uh, find, and train with her. Um, I've trained with her and um, she's amazing. You're an amazing trainer of teachers. And I really appreciate all those lessons. Actually, I have, I think I have a shout out to you on my website. 
I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Girl, I'm pretty sure y'all win that. You made me send this video to you that I tried to make for Instagram and started bust out crying when I started talking about you the other day. Oh. I was like, don't post that shit. Stop playing. Post it. Post it. Make me cry. Um. So, yeah. So, please do follow Davina. She's super real. And, um, and now that you have heard her talk, you know, too, you know, uh, how much of a servant's heart she she has, um, which is I think so so much of what we need uh, in the community, and then and then Shars who I already gave a shout out to yesterday, but you know Shars for me is someone who actively is seeking to see people and consistently interested in learning and evolving, and um, and then sharing that evolution. Um, which is is huge because it shows a a curiosity that makes me more curious, and it shows a, a connection that makes me want to connect in better and, and more um, beautiful ways. So and um, so Sharza's wisdom can be found at Sharzad. There is an H in there. Do the work <laughs> to learn how to spell it. Um, Sharzad K. Yes. We didn't even go into the um, conversation. <laughs> but uh, just Learning. as a as a key, you know, the word Shah is a word, and that that word is in Sharzad, which leads me to believe that it has something to do with royalty. Is that true? My name. Yes. Uh, I think I can translate. Huh? Claim it. <laughs> I mean, I can. I can translate however so, I want. I guess. And um, I think it's more like Shad, which means city, like born of the city. Zod means to be born. Of, oh yeah. Or yeah. like freedom of the city. There's a lot of different ways to. Like, I'm gonna put you as royalty from a royal city. Mm -hmm. I bet that means a royal city. In my, I, don't I wonder. Maybe all. Maybe. I think it means born of the city or something like that, like city born. I think technically is what it means. You are and always bougie. I know. Such a city girl. By the way, she's bougie as hell. Yes, she is. Yes, you are. You want me to show up everywhere in a full gown? If I could, I would. And I would still have no makeup on. Shar shows up everywhere in a full gown. Davina shows up everywhere in a hoodie. And I'm like, usually in some tie dye or cowgirl boots or Birkenstocks. <laughs> I think you get dressed up more than I do. You know what though? I I do claim my um the storyteller name because that's what I'm named after. It's not about like the actual name of my the yeah. translation of my name. It's cool. the um Shahrazad who told the oh, yeah. stories for a thousand and one nights. Go Google that. Arabian Nights, thousand and one nights. Wait a minute. I oh my gosh! That. I just made that connection. I, I literally just made that connection. That's what I named that. That's oh my gosh! That is so amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Anywho, and you can find me. And let me just add. Oh, to yes, this. go ahead. My last name means universe. <gasps> what? <gasps> You're telling the stories of the universe. What? <gasps> that is so awesome. Yeah. That was there. That's, that's, yeah, I can see that. Okay, and you can find me at diva underscore transcending because I'm trying to transcend the bullshit and the labels and the boxes and not I'm trying, I am. And I am, I am working to cultivate a community of conscious people who are willing to speak truth to bullshit and who are willing to transcend those things with me um because we all need to elevate 
especially in 2020 where things are going to get more difficult and more divisive like we have a choice as to whether to be a part of that division or whether to be on the compassion team mm -hmm. so um please do follow um all three of us and um and participate in the love dare challenge participate i have currently a shavasana challenge uh, because i am um daring people to rest <laughs> Um, I dare you to do something that is not for money or for success. Just <laughs> sit in your own body and just <laughs> chill for a while and see what happens. Just see what happens. It's not about the likes. No, it's <laughs> not about the likes. And you don't have to post it. But if you do, you will start helping to transform what Insta Yoga and what the yoga gram looks like. So um, I would love um, for that to have to happen. Thank you so much for listening. If anyone has been ever following this show, you know that things are always longer whenever I have guests. Mm -hmm. So I hope that you poured yourself a drink. FYI, we are just drinking water. Um, but I hope that you poured yourself a drink and you listened and you participated and talked back. And if you want to send us a message, please do hop into our DMs. Um, not with eggplants, but with actual, like, <laughs> information. Speak for yourself. If you're popping in with <laughs> eggplants, if you're popping in with eggplants, I need you to go back and ask yourself, why do you think it's necessary? Why do you think you why have? Why do you think you need to slide in with an eggplant? And who the because hell are eggplants you? are good. They are tasty. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's what they mean. <laughs> But anyway, please do oh, just communicate man. with us because we want to communicate with you. And if there's something that you would like to ask either one of us, ask. Thank you again so much. It's always my hope to leave you better than I found you. I hope that happened for you today. Namaste. You've been listening to Think, Flow, Grow. This is Tamika with Asha Yoga. I'd love to hear your feedback and would love to hear any topics that you'd like for me to address. Feel free to email me at tamika at ashayoga.com. Also, you can go to that website to find out upcoming workshops, retreats, and events in your area.